Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, last month we spoke with Executive Director Carolyn Copas about the reopening of 50 North and the completion of their expansion and renovation project. This week, they're preparing for their official open house. We'll get details. Also this morning, new data from WalletHub reveals the states that are recovering the quickest and the most completely post-pandemic. How are they doing it, and what can Ohio learn? And a newly expanded benefit can save veterans money on their next vacation thanks to a partnership between the Department of Defense and popular online travel website Priceline. Tell you how you can cash in on the savings. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. Today, in case you were looking for a reason to celebrate is uh, International Chess Day. It is also Nap Day today. (laughs) I love that. Nap Day. Uh, By the way, they say the ideal length for a nap is like 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Anything longer than that. And they say you actually could be contributing to insomnia later in the evening. So... You want to avoid uh, longer naps than 20 minutes. So anyway, that's what they say. Nap day today. National Fortune Cookie Day. My fortune says there's going to be a nap in my future. That's <laughs> that's what it says. Uh, National Lollipop Day. National Space Exploration Day for obvious reasons. Uh, today being the uh, anniversary of the first moon landing. And it is World Jump Day today. So, listen to a little Van Halen if you are so inclined today. Um, there are a couple of uh, stories among the first things you need to know this morning, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. There are a couple of uh, really interesting uh, coronavirus-related uh, stories. We're talking about all of the things that are... Um, I, I don't. I would say different. I mean, what is the word that I'm looking for? I'm I'm so tongue tied this morning, and I apologize. Um, there are, are things that you don't expect that have come out of the uh, pandemic and the post pandemic recovery. This is another example. Lipstick sales have jumped up as mask mandates wane and socializing begins again. The number seven beauty company in England. Uh, reported a 61% increase in the volume of lipstick sales from the first three months of 2021 to the second quarter of 2021. And the spike in sales coincided with Prime Minister Boris Johnson's announcement that the remaining lockdown restrictions in England would ease. Uh, Grace Vernon, the number seven beauty company, said in a statement, quote, women are relishing the fact that they can finally coat their lips without worrying it is smudged all over their face and onto the lining of their mask. Bold, vibrant statement glosses are trending along with neutral paired back shades of lipstick. So, you know, again, we've seen all of these examples of things that have changed or sales patterns, consumer patterns that have changed because of the pandemic. Here is another one I would have never guessed lipstick sales you know would 
be so dramatically higher in the second quarter of this year. Uh, but I guess maybe that's partly because I'm a guy, because you hear it and you can certainly understand. It makes sense. Um, this is kind of interesting. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of uh, things, uh, unexpected consequences of the pandemic, some American children have started speaking with a British accent due to the pandemic. <laughs> they say, no, it is not a side effect of the virus itself. Apparently, after binge-watching the British cartoon Peppa Pig during the pandemic, the they call it the so-called Peppa effect, has children mimicking the character. Now, this was, to a certain extent, an issue before the pandemic. But the lockdown orders made the effect more acute and more widespread. American parents note that their children are also using British words, such as biscuits instead of cookies, or tele instead of television, or holiday instead of vacation. All thanks to Peppa Pig, I think, and I could be very wrong here, but I think it's all a plot by the British <laughs> to get back at I still think it's because of the I still think that they're uh, upset with this with the revolution and I think this is their way of getting back Russians hack into a Chinese hack into Russians hack into our computers the Chinese steal our intellectual property and the British teach our kids to speak with a British accent that's what it is Peppa Pig the world's second most in-demand children's cartoon over the course of the past year. And <laughs> as kids speaking in British accents, that's crazy. If you are planning on traveling this summer, as many people are, and obviously there are fewer restrictions on international travel, but you may be in for a shock. If your passport is expired, you might have an issue. Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma says the passport application backlog has now surged to 2.2 million applications as a security measures operational issues add several weeks to wait times. This is because when the government receives a passport application, the file enters a lockbox and is given a secure number, a process that usually takes 24 hours and is now delaying applications up to six weeks in his letter to secretary of state antony blinken uh, the senator writes we must address the problems at this stage by applying pressure and providing resources to restore the turnaround time to 24 hours uh, a source says all of the delays are covid and staff related the State Department offered no comment on the issues. It is known that in March 2020, the State Department dramatically reduced its passport operations to protect staff from spreading the coronavirus. And so this is like so many other issues in terms of supply and demand, supply chain issues. There's just a different form of that where suddenly there is this surge in demand and suppliers can't keep up because they themselves uh, have reduced production because of lower demand during the, the pandemic and also because they have workers they want to protect. And the State Department is no different. 
And now, as Americans begin traveling internationally once again, those without a valid passport uh, will likely need to delay any summer trips abroad. The State Department says that more than 150 passport processing employees are returning to 21 agencies across the country, and the wait times for regular passports are 12 to 18 weeks. But uh, Senator Lankford claims the processing time is up to 24 weeks. Pre-pandemic, for comparison, in case you've never gotten a passport before, it takes about four to six weeks. And so any of those are significant delays, but maybe even up to 24 weeks. That is... Anyway, I guess that's one of the... I would imagine there's a lot of folks who... Their passport expired over the course of the past year and figured, oh, well, why bother to renew it? I'm not going to be traveling anywhere anytime soon anyway. I'll just wait. And now you can see the ramifications of that. But nonetheless, if you are planning on traveling, uh, you might have another thing coming, as they say. And uh, also among the first things you need to know this morning, and again, virus-related, this is interesting university, uh, interesting research from Duke University finds that COVID-19 triggers a strong antibody response in children and teenagers. Researchers at Duke found that children who have had mild infections or even those who did not have any symptoms develop an immune response that will likely provide some protection against future infections. They found the antibody response in the children did not differ based on the presence of symptoms and antibodies against the coronavirus was, were still present in most of the study participants up to four months after infection. They also found that regardless of age, the children's antibody levels were the same or slightly higher than adults at two and four months after infection. The findings suggests that giving COVID-19 vaccines to young children could lead to a level of antibody protections that's similar to or greater than that of adults. So that is the takeaway, and that I thought was what was interesting about this story, is that initially you read the headline that children who have had mild infections develop an immune response, uh, a, a strong antibody natural immune response, and the initial thought is well, then they don't need the vaccine. But in contrast, what the researchers at Duke were trying to show was the, the vaccines uh, actually uh, are more effective uh, against children, uh, or in children, <laughs> against children, in children uh, than they are uh, in adults, potentially more uh, effective, just as or more effective uh, as they are in adults. So initially you read the story and you think, that it is maybe a, a an anti-vax study supporting uh, anti-vax, and that's not the intent uh, at all. So kind of interesting uh, on that story, so worth uh, pointing out there. There you go, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast... Mostly sunny today with a high of 87, mostly clear tonight, a low of 66. The Ohio State Highway Patrol is conducting a move-over enforcement initiative this week. Highway Patrol Superintendent Colonel Richard Fambro says moving over isn't just the law, it's the right thing to do. So when you see flashing lights, move over and slow down. 
He says over the past five years, Ohio State Highway Patrol cruisers were involved in 56 crashes that were move-over related. During that same time period, the patrol issued more than 25,000 move-over citations. Wednesday will mark one year since then-Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder and four associates were arrested in connection with an alleged $60 million bribery scheme. The Republican householder has pleaded not guilty but has been expelled from the House. The $1 billion nuclear plant bailout householder's team is alleged to have delivered for money to Akron-based First Energy Corporation in House Bill 6 has been repealed, but portions of the controversial legislation still remain law. First Energy has sought to stabilize its damaged reputation by firing its CEO and others and enacting operational reforms. Daniel Barnett, ONN News. New safety rules are in place at Ohio Fairs this summer. Tyler's Law requires ride operators to display permit decals so people know they're up to safety standards. Riders can then look at the decals before choosing to get onto a certain ride. In 2017, Tyler Jarrell was on a ride at the Ohio State Fair when the ride broke apart and he was killed. The Hancock County Battle of the Badges Blood Drive is taking appointments for the upcoming event. Deputy Corey Hartman is Crime Prevention Specialist with the Hancock County Sheriff's Office. They weren't able to do one last year, so I thought, what a better way to give back to the community during a severe blood shortage like we're having and uh, start up another battle of the badges. He says people can donate blood on behalf of the sheriff's office, Finley Police Department, Finley Fire Department, or Hanco EMS, and the agency with the most pints donated at the end of the day will have bragging rights and, of course, will have helped out a lot of people with that donated blood. Get more information on the Battle of the Badges blood drive on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. As we mentioned earlier, a little bit later on in the program, we're going to speak with uh, 50 North Executive Director Carolyn Copas. They've got a big open house happening this week to officially open their brand new, newly renovated and expanded facility. So we'll get details on that. In case you missed it, last month we spoke with Carolyn about the reopening of 50 North and the completion of that expansion and renovation project. And this was part of that conversation from last month. Have you reopened completely now for all of your uh, programs and services at 50 North? We have followed the recommendations of CDC, the Ohio Department of Aging, and also working with our local health department. We are fully open since June 2nd. Starting July 6th, our hours will be expanded to the hours that will be open throughout the year. So after 14 and a half months, we we are fully open. We were talking on this program uh, back when all of this started. The silver lining to having to shut down the facility is it really made it easier to move forward with that uh, construction, renovation, and expansion project. You're right. March 2020, we decided to mobilize and start doing the renovation and expansion, and we're going to be fully open during that time. Since we were closed and the timing of COVID hit, and actually it was 14 and a half months since we, you know, were closed and doing operations differently that we were able to complete the whole project two months ahead of schedule. Wow. 
and definitely definitely 5% under budget. And I understand that there might even be some more savings. So, you know, although I would have rather done the project with our seniors there, Mm -hmm. um, since they couldn't be, we were able to save money and also time. And in conjunction with the uh, completion of the expansion, uh, you have some uh, big news uh, with respect to that. Am I right? We do. You know, this community is so gracious. And one of those truly committed, passionate stakeholders are the Hemiers. And when Jane uh, told me that when her parents moved to Finley, uh, the first thing she did was got them involved at 50 North, then the Agency on Aging. And they were able, her parents were able to make friends and get acclimated into a community that they hadn't grown up in. And so they've always been gracious to 50 North. And then when this project came up, um, Bevy Amin is on our board and she committed uh, to the track and supporting that. And she was in that meeting. And as Gary and, and Jane said, Riyadh was a real mentor to Gary and he couldn't say no. And he also made a big shout out to our board and to Barry Simmons, who was also in that meeting with them initially. And Gary knew that that we were in good hands with Barry as our facility director working with RCM and Alveda Construction. So it was just a win-win project. We also had um, the CFO of, of Marathon step up early on too, Kathy and Gary Piper. So we are just generally thankful for their belief in us and supporting this project. So we renamed the facility uh, 50 North Hemier Center for Jane and Gary Hemier. And um, many of our areas, like the Bevumine Track, we have Ohio Logistics Lobby, we have Gary and, and Kathy Piper, the group exercise room, Marathon uh, named our fitness equipment area, the Donnells named our stage, Jeff McMath, um, Dr. St. Clair, both from the Orthopedic Institute of Ohio, and the Myers, Dr. Myers, Kathy and Dr. David Myers. So that just shows the importance of what we do in the community yeah. um, with health Good. and wellness and also the socialization and, and the well-being of our seniors. So again, in case you missed it, our conversation last month with Carolyn Copas, the executive director of 50 North, talking about uh, their reopening and the completion of their expansion and renovation project, the renaming of the facility and several uh rooms and 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 parts of the facility for various supporters donors and here in a couple of days they will officially have their big open house to uh welcome in folks to see that newly rela- uh, renovated and expanded facility Carolyn Copas joins us once again this morning. So the open house is Thursday, is that right? Give us all of the uh, details first of all. Sure. So we're going to be have a, a, a opening of the new facility, as you mentioned, expanded and renovated. It's going to be from four to seven. And as you come into the building, you'll be greeted by our member service specialist, and they'll give you a map and introduce you and give you a welcome packet and tell you that there'll be several stations throughout the building to visit. At each station, if you visit it, 
they'll give you a ticket ticket to put in a drawing for uh, a choice. Of, or, you know, we have baskets at each of our stations. Oh, so awesome. one of the stations will be travel. Okay. So you can, you can come in and learn about travel. And then you can go to the next booth. And we have a lot of volunteer opportunities at 50 North for people, especially people who are just newly retired, not sure what 50 North does or what they can offer to them. Mm-hmm. They can get involved as in a volunteer. And then you get to learn about a lot of what we do. Then you can go into the art room and see what different activities that we do in our art room. We can have a sewing class, craft class, an art class, and then move into one of our activity rooms and see what they're doing. Again, there'll be a station with Harry Stockton, our, our director, and there'll be a basket there. You visit him, well, he'll give you a ticket. You can put it in for a drawing. Then in our cafe, we'll, you'll meet our food and beverage director who will talk to you about the different nutritional uh, programs that we can offer to people either at our facility or at their home, like mobile meals or grocery delivery. Mm -hmm. Then we'll have a station for our chore and social work area, which is called outreach and learn everything that they do there. And again, there'll be a basket there. They'll give you a ticket if you visit and you just drop it in there for a chance to win. The last area is our wellness area. We have a track. And we'll be doing some classes, I believe, in the track or in our group. Well, in our track, um, we'll be doing a cardio drumming class. In our group exercise classes, we'll have several classes people can participate. They're 20-minute long sessions. So call ahead, uh, call our number, call ahead and get in, you know, signed up for one of those classes. And you can participate. But then if you just want to come and see what we do, you can just come and Visit our group exercise room, our equipment room. We have uh, new locker rooms. We've never had locker rooms. We have a personal training area with Annie Hayes you can learn about, a hydro massage. You'll just have to come and learn about that. So we'll have a lot of different activities. Line dancing will be going on. We'll have some card games going on, bingo. So um, our choir will be on the Donald stage. So there'll be a lot of interactive um programs yeah. that you can participate in or just view. Yeah, a lot mm. of a uh, lot of things going on. I was I was kind of chuckling when you mentioned uh, before that uh, when folks come in, they'll be given a map, and I thought, boy, that speaks to just how big of a facility you have now that you're going to have to hand out maps. But uh, I guess it makes sense. And hearing you talk about all of the different things, that was actually going to be one of my questions. Uh, you know, how much what you know what do you have uh, in this renovated facility in terms of of room and facilities that you did not have before what has uh, what is this expansion and renovation allow you to do or um, the the spaces sure. that you have now that you that you didn't have prior so we didn't ever have a locker room mm-hmm. and that that's that's been great for our members we also have a larger equipment room so that you can get around more easily on the equipment, especially if you have, are in a wheelchair or okay. uh, a walker. It helps with that. We have a track. We never had that track before, and it allows us to do a lot of different activities in there um, that is much better for our members. Yeah. And for instance, delay the disease where they need a larger space. We have an art studio that we never had before. We have three more activity rooms, so it just gives us a lot of a you know ability it, to be able to do those programs and services 
for people that we weren't able to do with a smaller facility. And it sounds as though there are fewer shared spaces and more dedicated spaces where you can maybe do more programs simultaneously than perhaps what yes. you've been able to do in the past. Yes. And so um, it just gives us that freedom and the choice for people to be able to do things. One of the new things that we're going to be implementing, um, we're just really watching to see, but um, we are going to be in the future, not now, but in the future, offering a shuttle service. So if people are like, oh, I feel like it's too far to walk to that front door, um, we're going to be offering a shuttle throughout our busy peak time from like 1030 to 230. Hmm. So if people feel like it's just a little bit further than what they had to walk before, we're going to be providing that service. So we're going to be looking for volunteers that would um, go through a training program, driving. But so if you're interested and you like to do shuttles and take people around or parking lot, pick them up, kind of like they do at the airport, you know, when you go yeah. and you park yeah. your car and you bring your luggage out and then there's a shuttle that picks you up and takes, drops you off right at the front door. So that's going to be a new program that we're going to start. So it uh, gives you the opportunity to uh, really kind of spread out a, a bit and, uh, and not be on top of each other. It gives you a chance to do more of the uh, programming uh, at the same time and, and opportunity to introduce uh, additional programs and services. As we mentioned, the, the, the facility is actually open now. As we were talking last month, uh, the facility is fully open, uh, but the official open house is coming up on Thursday. What are the uh, hours? Uh, with the for the uh, open house itself. So the open house will be yes, like you mentioned on Thursday, this Thursday the twenty second, and it will be from four to seven. Okay. So folks yep. want to stop by and check out all there is to see and do at Fifty North. Uh, maybe you've never been before. Maybe you haven't been since the uh, expansion and renovation has been complete. So uh, it is going to be a perfect opportunity to stop by and see everything there is to see. Again, Executive Director Carolyn Copas with us this morning. Carolyn, thanks very much for the info. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. You know, the folks at WalletHub put out some of the most interesting studies, and their latest data analysis reveals the states whose unemployment rates are recovering the most post-pandemic and the states whose unemployment claims are recovering the quickest. WalletHub's Jill Gonzalez joins us now. And Jill, these are actually two different but really similar studies. I explain how they differ, because I think some might miss the subtlety between the two. Sure. One simply looks at the unemployment rate. So that's the percentage of those who are unemployed. It's probably what most people are more accustomed to when we're talking about unemployment. Mm -hmm. The second study talks about unemployment initial claims that are being filed and essentially how much those have been decreasing or increasing since the same time pre-pandemic, the same time last year, and the same time since the pandemic started. So... Of the two, which would you say would signal a stronger state economy overall post-pandemic? Well, I think the unemployment rates are probably a little bit more straightforward and easier to understand mm -hmm. and easy to compare, you know, to other states to see, you know, where, where you're really sitting in currently. 
And to underscore just how similar these numbers are, uh, Ohio is 20th on the unemployment claims recovering the quickest list, 26th on the unemployment rates bouncing back most list. Uh, Are other states similarly clustered together like that? Yeah, I mean, one is updated monthly, the rate. The other, the unemployment claims, is updated weekly. So there are probably more changes from week to week, obviously, with that second metric. But for the most part, we are seeing a pretty similar correlation. And what do the numbers tell us? What is the takeaway as you look at the data and where all of these states rank? What's the big takeaway? Well, again, it's important to compare these numbers and give them some context. So right now, the U.S. unemployment rate sits at 5.9%, which is still high, but it's much lower than that nearly historic high of about 15% in April of last year. So that drop can be attributed, you know, depending on where you are, largely to a combination of vaccinations and states obviously opening up again. So Ohio is doing a little bit better than that national average. Right now, its unemployment rate is 5.2%. So the obvious question is, and and we ask this a lot with a number of uh, Wallet Hub uh, studies, surveys, and, and lists that you put out, you know, what are the states at the top of a list doing that those farther down, like Ohio, are not? And what can you glean from that? But again, here in these, you're you're comparing, you know, just the just the numbers. So, you know, are there metrics or are there there things that that you can look at in these rankings uh, that that can give some sort of clue as to why certain states are are doing better than others? Well, this it, this has less to do with you know what individuals are doing or what state officials are doing than a lot of other studies. I mean, this is employment, right? So it's heavily reliant on the industries that exist from state to state. Nebraska, for instance, ranks number one right now. Its unemployment rate is actually better than it was pre-pandemic. It's at Hmm. 2.5%. And that's largely due to things like agriculture, manufacturing, and logistics, all which kind of picked up during the pandemic. So it's not that the people there or the officials there are doing anything different. It's that the state is built differently and relies on different industries. So maybe the the better takeaway would be in looking at what states like Ohio can take from this that might affect long-term policy, better position us for a more speedy recovery the next time something comes along to upset the economic apple cart, as it were, uh, is looking at how those uh, other states are, are built. And, and maybe even digging down uh, uh, further is that regionally you can look at why states uh, ha- have rebounded more quickly. Some states have re- rebounded more quickly than others. Exactly. So take the states uh, near the bottom of these rankings, California, New York, Nevada, Hawaii, all some of the top tourist destinations in Mm -hmm. the country. I mean, they have plenty of other things going for them, too. But without that key part of their economy bouncing back yet, I mean, I think locally there's certainly travel. But if you think about business travel and, of course, international travel, those things just have not bounced back yet. Now, are these states going to stop being tourism states? No. But 
you know, that is something that they should probably safeguard even more for the future. And maybe look at ways of diversifying some of those uh, uh, employment opportunities so that uh, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Again, that can filter down to local cities and regions in that respect as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's like Detroit during the recession that relied so heavily on its motor industry. Sure. You know, now we are seeing it diversify more. So this has happened, you know, before and it'll happen again. It's just what states do and really learn from it. Yeah. Uh, really interesting. As I, I said, always interesting data. And, and we have a link up on our website if you want to kind of dig into the weeds a little bit deeper on all of this from Wallet Hub. Jill Gonzalez with us this morning. Jill, thanks for uh, joining us. A lot there to chew on. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Anytime. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. I am starting to think that the dumb criminals of the world get together somewhere and decide to pull off the or attempt to pull off the same stupid stunts uh, all at the same time, because it seems like this is becoming more common that we have something in the broken news. And then the next day we have a very similar story of somebody trying to pull off the same stunt uh, someplace else. I Is there is there like a convention of dumb criminals somewhere? Case in point, yesterday, you remember we had the uh, story yesterday about the uh, guy at the airport in Colorado who tried to commandeer a plane to fly to Hawaii. So a Florida fan, uh, Florida man, uh, today in the broken news, a Florida man facing multiple charges after he allegedly drove through a security gate at a Tampa area airport and got into the cockpit of a Coast Guard C-130 on Saturday morning. Hamilton Moreno, age 36, is accused of leading deputies on a chase across a runway at St. Pete, St. Pete, St. Pete, Clearwater International Airport just before 5 a.m. is a high-speed chase across the runway, uh, and he was driving a vehicle that had been stolen the night before. Pinellas County Sheriff's Department says in a statement he was arrested after he allegedly crashed through a Coast Guard security gate, left the car in a hangar, and climbed into the empty C-130. <laughs> The suspect was booked into the uh, Pinellas County Jail on charges of fleeing and eluding, trespassing, grand theft auto, habitual traffic offender, so not the first time this guy's been in trouble with the law, burglary or attempted burglary of a C-130, <laughs> and two counts of criminal mischief. He may also face federal charges related to the incident because he tried because he got into the cockpit of a plane, and it was a Coast Guard plane besides, so... I, is this a competition between these two guys to try and figure out who can uh, screw up the biggest? I don't know. Anyway, you would think after a while that the criminals would learn, but the fact that they don't makes it easier for police sometimes. As long as the bad guys continue to post their illegal activities online, the cops are more than happy to make arrests. Authorities in Memphis, Tennessee say the suspect accused of stealing an ambulance from in front of Regional One Hospital last Wednesday showed up on a Facebook video posted online on Thursday. The suspect, Decide Billingsley, is seen laughing about taking the ambulance 
and said he needed a ride after being discharged from the hospital for a gunshot wound. He is now under arrest and charged with theft. Not the brightest tool in the shed there. <clears throat> Stolen ambulance bragged about it online. If you are too drunk to drive, chances are you're too drunk to drone as well. Dateline Tokyo, Japan from the international file. A 56-year-old man was cleaning up his house last month and apparently needed a large amount of alcohol to muscle through the laborious task. During his cleaning adventures, he came across a drone that he had bought several years ago, and in his drunken haze, decided to abandon his chores to take the newly rediscovered toy for a spin. The merriment was short-lived as the man accidentally sent the one-pound drone straight through his neighbor's window. <laughs> Obviously, the neighbor phoned police and authorities connected the dots about who owned the mysterious flying object. The man was charged with drinking and droning, which is an actual crime in Japan. Passed last year, he is the first person to be uh, to face such charges. Well, there's always that. I guess <laughs> you do have a story to tell. Hey, I was the first person to be charged with drinking, <laughs> drinking and droning. <laughs> So maybe there is that, yes. Uh, back on this side of the pond, Cape Cod, Massachusetts police recently responded to a report of a man who rang a stranger's doorbell and attempted to open the front door before fleeing. A boy later identified as a 15-year-old from nearby Sandwich, Massachusetts, was found a ways down the road by police. He uh, mentioned a girl lived at the house that he attempted to enter, adding he did not expect anyone to be home. <laughs> so he couldn't explain exactly why he was trying to enter the house if he did not expect anyone to be home. The boy also mysteriously left some cheese on the doorstep before fleeing, although the significance is not known. <laughs> he, he left some cheese. On the uh, doorstep. Well, okay. <laughs> Just all kinds of weird. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this had to be really scary for a few seconds anyway. A dog owner recently sh shared a screen sh screenshot of a conversation they had had with their dog's groomer. Um, on social media, they sh uh, shared the exchange, the text message exchange between the owner of the dog and the groomer of the dog. After dropping their beagle off for a haircut, the owner was sent a message from the groomer reading, Hi, Dexter is dead. <laughs> the worker, the groomer, realizing their mistake, quickly sent a follow-up message reading, Hi, Dexter is done and ready to be picked up. Sorry about the autocorrect mistake. <laughs> Just to be certain and to make sure that uh, there was no confusion, the groomer also sent a photo of the newly groomed and very much alive dog. The post about the mix-up generated a ton of comments online. One person writing, Dexter looks remarkably well considering the circumstances. <laughs> so there you go. 
groomer, not taxidermist. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time for your daily download this morning. The numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. It is certainly no secret that shutdowns from uh, the COVID-19 pandemic were devastating to the economy. A new survey shows just how bad they were for small businesses. This is a uh, non-scientific survey of 1,000 small business owners commissioned by gotprint.com. But... I think the numbers, even though this is unscientific, uh, I think the numbers are probably pretty reliable based on some of the anecdotal things that we have heard. Uh, it shows one in five businesses, small businesses, nearly closed their doors for good because of the pandemic. Nearly one in five. 46% of those surveyed suffered decreased sales. 42% saw a drop-off in customers. And 37% saw their production drop or their output drop. Two in five small business owners, so about 40% in the poll, say that they had to take a pay cut personally to keep their business afloat. And four in five, nearly all, four out of five, say that they have become more resourceful as a result of the difficulties brought on by the pandemic. Nearly 60% said that they have had to wear multiple hats at their company, to make up for the shortfalls, 46% say they had to cut supply costs and 42% downsized to a smaller space or worked from home to make ends meet with respect to their bottom line over the course of the past year. So again, some very dramatic numbers, but not necessarily surprising. The universal lesson that all small business owners learned, according to the survey, was that they had to have a backup plan in case of emergency. 31% say that they are committed to learning new skills to keep their business operating. And uh, with lockdowns now easing up in most places, 58% of the small business owners say that they are still having a hard time staying in the black. So 58%, certainly uh, much Lower number than the number that were struggling at the height of the pandemic, but that's still more than half. So just underscores for the rest of us how important it is to support our local small business owners and entrepreneurs. 58% say they still are having a hard time making ends meet. 69% say that they feel overwhelmed. And again, no shock, considering 84% are still... 84% of the small business owners are still doing multiple jobs themselves uh, because of cutbacks during the pandemic, which uh, leads to stress. And that obviously it's hard to run a business well 
when you are stressed, when you are doing too much of the work yourself. So it's tough times for uh, small business owners all the way around. But this uh, survey of 1,000 small business owners uh, shows just how devastating the uh, pandemic was for their economy personally. And like I said, underscores the need to support small local businesses and entrepreneurs. Big salute, big hats off to uh, all of those business owners who have somehow found a way to make it work. So this is exciting stuff for veterans. The Department of Defense and Priceline have announced an expansion of the Armed Forces Travel Platform. Military travel advisor Megan Riston is with us this morning with all of the details. So first of all, Megan, let's start with the basics. What is American Forces Travel? Because I would imagine there are a fair number of people who have maybe never heard of it before. Yeah, so American Forces Travel is a really robust website where you can find deals on all types of leisure travel. It is exclusively for the military community, and it was built by Priceline in conjunction with the Department of Defense. So it's just the one-stop place you can go to get deals on everything travel-related. So originally, there were some limitations on who was eligible, as I understand it, but now it has been expanded to include just about any honorably discharged veteran. Is that right? Yeah, so back in 2019, when the program originally launched, it was only for the active duty military and retirees. Okay. It's still for them, but now it also includes all honorably discharged veterans, which means 16 million more people now have access to the website. So how does this uh, support military veterans? Kind of walk us through this, how, the, how it all works, uh, what kind of discounts we're talking about, all of this stuff. So it supports military members a couple of different ways. First of all, Priceline recognized that you've sacrificed a lot. Your family has also sacrificed a lot. So when you're ready to take that well-deserved vacation, they've built a website to ensure that you have access to the very best deals possible worldwide. Secondly, they've taken a percentage of every booking and reinvested it into the military, into some of the critical uh, lifestyle enhancement programs like the morale, welfare, and recreation program. Hmm. As far as the discounts, you could save up to 40 to 60% off of all different types of leisure travel, hotels, car rentals, airfare, vacation packages. Uh, it's super easy to get signed up. You just go to AmericanForcesTravel.com. It will make you answer some questions to verify that you are eligible, like your social security number, your date of birth, along with your last name. But it works. It's a really quick website. So within just a few seconds, you'll be verified and you'll be immediately let into the website where you can start browsing all the good deals. So on that end, uh, once you've uh, signed up and, and registered and they verified all of that, uh, which, as you said, happens uh, pretty quickly, then it works from that point pretty, pretty much like any other uh, travel website would? Yeah, it really does. I mean, you, you just go in and you can sort by city. I mean, if you're looking through airfare, you can sort by price. Hmm. Uh, you can adjust the times, the flight times. and Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's really robust. It. I just bought a plane ticket, actually, on it last minute. Last week, my sister just gave birth to my brand-new baby niece. Uh-huh. And I was able to save 200 bucks on a round-trip ticket 
not too shabby. So, you know, it's interesting. We've called this the great travel reboot of 2021. Uh, everyone wanting to get away after everything we've been through over the past year. And that, of course, would include military families, I'm sure. So what are some of the best travel tips that you can offer? Again, this is an area you specialize in. What are some of the best travel tips uh, that you can offer for military families in particular? So one of my number one travel tips for military families is to always ask for a military discount. The worst they can do is tell you no, but usually they're going to say yes, and you're going to save maybe 10%, 15% here and there, and that really begins to add up, especially on a vacation. Even some restaurants will give a flat military discount. Also, you should check with the ITT office at the nearest military installation to you. That's the ticket office where you can get discounted tickets and sometimes tours. They'll have tickets to local attractions as well as some of the bigger nationally known attractions like the major theme parks. So when you combine the discounted tickets and uh, asking for a military discount where you go and then combine it with the American Forces Travel website, you're going to save a substantial amount of money traveling. Again, we're talking about this expansion of the American Forces Travel Platform from the Department of Defense and Priceline originally put this together a couple of years ago. And as we said, uh, expanding this now for basically any honorably discharged veteran. And where do folks, this is available right now, correct? I mean, this is uh, this is something that uh, uh, veterans yeah. can take advantage of uh, immediately. And where do we get uh, more information on all of this? So for all the information you need, you can go to AmericanForcesTravel.com, and that's the same place where you'll sign up and where you'll book as well. It's all right there on one site. Absolutely. Bookmark that. One more thing that we can do for our veterans, military travel advisor Megan Riston with us this morning. Megan, thanks very much for the info. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests, of course, for joining us on the program. And once again, a reminder that you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Guide you over to our little corner of the World Wide Web at goodmornings.net. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.